Peace to you. Welcome back to the Naked Truth and thank you for joining me. It's a weekday. We're going to pick up where we left off in the book of Isaiah, the prophet. We've made it to chapter 9. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. And of course, none of this will be read letter, but Isaiah does point to Jesus as we've read in a previous chapter and it looks like there'll be more of that one in this one. It's called beginning with verse 1. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan and Galilee of the Gentiles. So Isaiah is known as a prophet. He seems to be giving a prophecy here of um it's uh, if you could tell if you're reading well, if you're using a New King James Version like I am. You see by the added subtitle, uh, the government of the promised son. It's a prophecy that is believed to be pointing to or referring to Jesus and um, and uh, his ministry and arrival. Uh, verse 2, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has dawned, has shined. Excuse me. So um, this... Um, this prophecy continues um, in the next verse or two, but um, before we go further to talk to, I guess, refer to, figure out who we're talking about, the area, the people, Zebulun, Naphtali, and as always, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these, those are two of the tribal names of the patriarchs, and they have areas related to them um, near the Jordan River, obviously, since that's where most of these events are based. Um, and then, um, what else was there? Um, oh, okay, so the next verse will help make it make more sense. We'll just keep reading. Verse 3, you've multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. So it seems to be, at least my understanding of what um, um, Isaiah's prophesying is a turn of events where um, the people will be oppressed. That's what the verse 2 is about. And um, I think in the defeat of the different armies that went up against them, whether the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the different nations that fought against them and in many cases defeated them, um, and despoiled them. So I think that's what it's probably referring to. And that there, that's the gloom that's being referred to and the oppression, the captivity and all of that. But then that there's a glimmer of hope at the end of it. It seems to be what is, at least that's what uh, my understanding of what he's saying. Um, and then um, it looks like there's a, like a footnote attached to the portion that says and increased its joy. Uh, let's see. It looks like there's a different alternate versions of what the script, or there more, there's scriptures that these were uh, um, translated from. At least it looks like it probably have different translations of that passage that they'll, they may read. Uh, most of the people you um, basically took down in your joy. Um, it's talking about the turn of events 
of going from being defeated to being victorious. It seems to be what um, the prophecy is uh, alluding to. Verse 4. For you've broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. So uh, Isaiah is saying the, um, the prophecy includes the defeat of the oppressor. It includes, it, it, the part of the prophecy started with the, the gloom, the darkness, the defeat of those neighboring and um, attacking, invading armies, forces. But um, this part of the prophecy um, seems to be saying that their power of the invading forces will be broken. Um, as in, like in a previous battle, like we read about in the old, uh, what we call the Old Testament, or um, previous reading about um, the area called Midian, and how it's again and again showed up really, I think, since Genesis. Uh, verse 5, for every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. So it looks like... Um, the prophecy includes terrible war uh, that's going to include lots of bloodshed um, and that it's going to be basically the people are going to be covered in blood. It's going to be so much killing, um, but that the their uh, armament, their clothing they wear, is going to be used uh, for fuel, not for um, uh, to be decorated. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us the son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. <clears throat> so again, this chapter seems to be alluding to all prophecies about Jesus, and although these weren't the names given to Jesus, these are things that Jesus is called, so in that sense, <laughs> that's its name. It's uh, like if someone calls you beautiful, you may answer to it. If you believe you're beautiful, if you'll answer to it, even though that's not actually your name. I think that's what's being said by these different, basically, praise titles being attributed to the role that Jesus will play in his ministry um, as far as the different I mean, just like the counselor, that'd be the red letters, mighty God, that'd be performing the miracles, prince of peace, that'd be his position as the son of God, everlasting father, that'd be the oneness that he has with God. At least that's my understanding. Wonderful, meaning amazing, full of wonder, uh, astonishing, miraculous. Verse seven, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So Isaiah is saying that Christ's kingdom will be an everlasting one uh, when it occurs. But we know Christ's ministry came and went nearly 2,000 years ago, um, and the world keeps turning, and there's still people who still didn't believe. And everyone was not fully persuaded or convinced by it. So this part of the prophecy um, has to have some other meaning. Um, it, it To me, it would seem it means uh, there's no end to Christ's kingdom, uh, spiritually speaking, as in the gift of life everlasting uh, being 
to whomsoever the world through faith in Christ. I think that would be the way to understand it, figuratively speaking. Um, as far as his kingdom, there being no end, literally speaking, I mean, I guess that'd be an article of faith since we have no way of visually uh, confirming, <clears throat> excuse me, the kingdom to believers or non-believers. Verse 8, only through our faith. Um, and it seems in that way it's revealed to us on an individual basis. Um, verse 8, the Lord sent a word against Jacob and it has fallen on Israel. So now, um, moving past the previous prophecies pointing to Christ's mission and coming, now it seems there's a prophecy uh, directed at the, a nation, the 12 tribes collectively known as Israel also previously known as the person Jacob who had a name changed to Israel. Verse 9, all the people will know Ephraim and the inhabitant of Samaria who stay in pride and arrogance of heart. So now um, it looks like the prophecy is going against um, the 12 tribes collectively that's re referred to as Israel. Um, and now specifically one of the tribes, Ephraim, is generally, if I remember right, thought of as one of the larger of the 12 tribes. You could look back on the numbers and see uh, for sure when they did the census, um, at least one of the census that was done. Um, but also Samaria, that's the capital city of uh, the kingdom of Israel. Um, and then what it's saying is they're being prideful and arrogant in the things they're saying. But something in particular, apparently, and that's going to follow in verse 10, which is here. The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn stones. Sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedar. So it seems the offense that the people are committing, the arrogance, the pride, and saying they aren't going to be stopped. They realize that invading armies... Um, may have defeated them and uh, messed up their places of worship. Because um, remember, they have lots of different entities that they worship. Not just one, not just two. Um, so uh, those places were torn up. But they're saying that's not going to stop them. They're going to just rebuild. And this time they're going to rebuild with cedars. So uh, strong, sturdy lumber. Verse 11, therefore the Lord shall set up the adversaries of resin against them and spur his enemies on. So um, if I remember right, resin is the king of Israel. And if I remember right, the enemies among them are the king of Syria. That's who was uh, having who they were having issues with at this time. Um, but let's keep reading up to verse 12. The Syrians yeah, before. And the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with an open mouth. So the prophecy here is not good. It looks like the Israel, the nation, not, um, uh, yeah, just like in modern times, the nation known as Israel, also known as Palestine, generally referred or to and thought of as the Holy Land. That same Israel here at the prophecy in verse 12 is saying, there to be devoured by the Syrians, that's the opposing army sort of to the north, and the Philistines. Those are people who were there before they went there and colonized it uh, among 
Goliath was one of the Philistines among others. So not friends of theirs. And it looks like the prophecy is saying those enemies of theirs are going to eat them alive. Verse, oh, well, didn't even finish that reading that verse. I'm sorry, I saw that break and missed it. So we'll read 12 again. The Assyrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with an open mouth. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. So the last part of verse 12 was saying, even with all of that going on, that's not enough to satisfy God. God is still in, I say God because that's who, it's, again, that's who the people who are being referred to here believe that they're interacting with and are talking about referring to God. So it seems that Isaiah is saying, even though the people are going to suffer all these, uh, the realization and manifestation of these different prophecies uh, that he's given, dire as they are, He's saying that's not going to be enough to satisfy, satisfy God. Instead, God's still going to be angry and still going to lash out some more. Verse 13, for the people do not turn to him who strikes them, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah is saying the issue, it seems now, is that the one who's correcting them, trying to strike them to correct them the same way you might whoop a kid, spank a child, slap a kid, uh, how, how give them a timeout, however it is you want to discipline a kid or however it is you properly discipline children. Um, he's, Isaiah is saying in the same sense, the nation, the people aren't doing that. The person who's correcting them, God who's correcting them, they're still not paying any attention to the correction. So it'd be like your teacher, your parent giving you a whooping, spanking, whatever. And you're still being like, whatever, and <laughs> paying it no attention. It not getting through to you, it not making you change. Verse 14, therefore, the Lord will cut off head and tail from Israel, palm branch and bulrush in one day. So mighty and strong, as well as the weak and powerless, are all going to be cut off, it seems, in that one day, according to the, uh, the prophecy. Um, verse 15, the elder and honorable, he's the head. The prophet who teaches lies, he's the tail. So um, Isaiah is making it clear so there's no uh, confusion about who's being referred to. The old folks who should know better, as well as the prophets who also should know better, but instead of preaching lies. Um, it seems those are who are going to be cut off. And clearly that hasn't happened yet. I mean, look how many preachers say they're Christian and don't even bother to say anything that's red letter Christianity at all. Verse 16, for the leaders of his people cause them to err, and those who are led by them are destroyed. So Isaiah is saying the problem with the people is the ones they choose as leaders, and the ones they're choosing as leaders are leading them to their destruction. Verse 17, Therefore the Lord will have no joy in their young men, nor have mercy on their fatherless and widows. For everyone is a hypocrite and an evildoer. Every mouth speaks folly. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. So Isaiah is saying the people's ways are so awful that God, that's why God is still ticked off and God's still lashing out and letting the people have it. 
because of the hypocrisy. And that God's not going to pay any attention to the strong young hunks or any attention to the poor helpless widows that are all going to be suffering. Verse 18, for wickedness burns as the fire, it shall devour the briars and thorns and kindle in the thickets of the forest. They shall mount up like rising smoke. So uh, Isaiah is comparing the sin of the people and uh, the sin of the people and among the people the same way a match or a fire would be in a forest. It's just waiting to devour everything if it's not stopped. Verse 19, therefore the wrath of the Lord of hosts my land, therefore, I'm sorry, through the wrath of the Lord of hosts, the land is burned up, and the people shall be as fuel for the fire. No man shall spare it for them. So, in the same way that the forest with the little fire turns out to just be fuel for that fire, even though the fire starts out small, it looks like Isaiah is saying the prophecy is the people are going to be the fuel for the fire. And the fire is going to eat them all alive, going to burn them up. And that they're, it's going to be so bad, so bad, they're not even going to care for each other. It's going to be brother against brother. Verse 20, and he shall snatch on the right hand and be hungry. He shall devour on the left hand and not be satisfied. Every man shall eat the flesh of his own arm. So if he's talking literally, he's saying things are going to be so desperate. That people turn to cannibalizing themselves. I think what he's talking, what he's saying figuratively, figuratively with the prophecy is that people are going to devour their own power. Um, that the, the, the things that make, say, like a nation strong are going to be the things that that nation destroys. Like in America, this the one strength that generally around the world is associated with it as a strength is its democracy. But when things like um, with elements of it like voter suppression and uh, like long voting lines and uh, like the criminalizing people telling people you can vote like they did in Florida and then arresting them after they vote um, mistakenly in some cases uh, things like that, uh, criminalizing people giving out water in the voting lines, stuff like that, all those sort of things are what's destroying itself. Those things are against the democracy itself, and yet people are passing laws to make them codified so that they actually do destroy the democracy itself, not to mention the things like the Electoral College, which Previous president ran on saying he destroyed and absolutely didn't. Any more than he built the wall that Mexico did not pay for. Any more than he got cheaper, better health care for everyone than Obamacare. He didn't do any of that stuff. He didn't lock Hillary up. He didn't do any of that stuff. And yet, <laughs> I don't understand it. Verse um, 21. Manasseh shall devour Ephraim and Ephraim Manasseh together. They shall be against Judah. So we saw a couple of the other tribes mentioned earlier. Now more tribes are being dragged into the prophecy in bad ways. Uh, now uh, the tribes of Manasseh, Ephraim, 
and Judah are also being pulled into the prophecy. Um, Ephraim is where Bethlehem is. Um, that's what I, you know, I know that stood out to me. Judah is uh, where uh, Jerusalem is. That's where that, that's the capital of that kingdom. So it's basically pulling in lots of different tribes and it seems from both kingdoms are included under the, um, under the umbrella. Um, this prophecy of Isaiah. Um, and it seems they're going to be tearing each other apart. A civil war. Uh, for all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. I didn't realize that wasn't that that was part of that last verse. Um, but it's a repetition. It's a repeating of what it was said earlier uh, about all the terrible circumstances manifesting, coming to pass, and as bad as they are, it's still not enough to satisfy the wrath that God has for the people because of their disobedience, because of their unfaithfulness, because of their idolatry, because of what's called adultery, because it's considered unfaithful. Um, that was the last verse, so that's what we're going to be reading. As always, thank you for reading along with me. I hope the Naked Truth is a blessing for you, and that you'll join me again. Love you. See you next time. Peace be with you. Oh, and don't want to forget the verse passage of the day. It's the eighth one. And um, it's, and forgive all my sins. Psalm 25, verse 18. Psalm 25, verse 18, and forgive all my sins. That's the passage of the day. Peace be with you.